Welcome to Scholarship Provider Coffee Talks, a podcast for funders to listen and learn from their peers. Today we are continuing the conversation on how COVID-19 has affected the world of scholarships and scholarship management. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on August 13th. The topics covered were changes to renewable scholarships, learning more about the communities you serve, proactive communication, emergency funds, changing applications, and assessing financial needs in the current situation. All right, let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is Elise Brayton, who was the webinar moderator. All right. So uh, we do have quite a few people. Really uh, big distribution today across the country, across the U.S. That's great. And we even have someone joining us from Ontario, Canada. Thank you so much for joining us, Ontario, Canada. I hope you um, raise your hand and let us hear from you today. Uh, All right, let's go ahead and move on into our discussion for the day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and just read these out. We're going to talk a little bit about each one, and then I'd love to see hands raised as you feel like you have something you would like to share. Remember, the work that you are doing might seem normal and everyday to you, but you might be doing something that no one else has thought of uh, or someone else needs to hear about. So please don't be shy, raise your hand and let us hear from you. So first, what were the results of last year's changes? Now, how did it go? So much changed and moved uh, as we were facilitating scholarships last year. Some of it uh, are totally unexpected. Some of it were changes that we kind of had hoped to see, but really didn't think we're coming this year. I kind of sped up our timeline a little bit. So we'd love to hear about last year's changes, any lessons that you learned um, about how you manage your scholarships over the last year, uh, or just lessons learned about interacting with students, parents, uh, colleges, really anything there. And what are the points of struggle right now? What continues to just be hard in relation to to COVID-19 and the changes that we've experienced? And how are you planning to move forward? What is even just one thought that you have on how to move forward in this new space that we're in? Um, Many, many schools being full-time remote for students. And what does that look like for your scholarship program? How does it change things? Uh, So excited to hear what you all have to say. I know many of our clients are expressing these changes to us, but we're excited to have you express them to one another. Do we have any hands raised? Yes, I'm with the Pedrosi Scholarship Foundation in Livermore, California. Uh, We're headed into a heat wave up here, so um, I'm going to be trying to stay cool as while working from home. Um, So the one thing that has surprised us is that at this point, um, we do a renewable scholarship, you know, up to four years, and we're pleasantly surprised that all of our 2020 recipients have actually submitted their, what we call their scholarship acceptance forms, and which means we're ready to disperse, we've been dispersing their, their scholarships to them. We've only had one student in that group uh, that deferred. Some have decided to go to community college instead of starting at a, you know, four-year institution, and we allow that to, we have the, we've always had that flexibility. Um, So 
I just want to kind of hear from other scholarship providers. Did, have they seen the same thing? To me, this says students are being resilient and adapting. Absolutely. Yeah, that is such a great story to hear. Um, I think we all kind of worried a little bit about this graduating class and what was going to happen with them. Um, would they just kind of give up that whole college idea? Uh, so it is wonderful to hear that your students are engaged, that they're attending. And yeah, I'm really curious to hear more as you are about this trend. Um, are students staying local that you hadn't planned to stay local? And um, I'm going to throw in one more caveat there. Do you offer scholarships for particular colleges or universities that students are not going to be able to attend at um, because of all of this or are making choices not to? And, and what's happening with that? Do they lose the scholarship? Do, um, yeah, do they just get to, to move it? Is that a donor discussion? So, yeah, I'm just going to bring all that up too. Hi, can you hear me? We sure can, Erica. How are you doing? Hi, doing well. Thank you so much for another great webinar. I love these. Um, I was just going to add that um, I, I'm with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and uh, we had a late scholarship application available to students. It closed on August 3rd. So I finished reading the applications last week and would say that a trend that I saw among the many, many applicants for that scholarship was that more than in um, previous seasons and more in my time as a scholarship provider, more than ever, I saw um, great volumes of students saying to us that they and their families were extremely concerned about their financial situation. Um, yeah. So I would say the trend that I saw there was financial instability and um, they, you know, perhaps they brought it up more than students have in the past, but I would say that's one of my top concerns for them is um, affordability overall uh, and that, that families and students are still in such a precarious financial situation. Absolutely. Yeah, I think finances can be really taboo within families. And so I think for a long time, it was really easy to for a student to not really be able to speak much to their family's finances. But right now, it's it's impossible not to see what's happening in your family. So that's really interesting. I'd be curious to know, Erica, I'm gonna ask you a follow up question. Um, does that change any way that you're thinking about asking about finances on your applications for this coming year. Knowing that the FAFSA um, looks at that prior, prior tax um, year, which is gonna be very out of date and inappropriate for many, many students. Are you looking at different ways of assessing that financial need? That's a great question, Elise. Um, Thurgood Marshall College Fund does something that I really like in that, we ask some general information about a family or a student's financial picture as part of the application. But then um, once we select our top candidates, we ask their colleges and universities to tell us the true picture of what their financial aid package and affordability looks like. So we have that great way of capturing, um, you know, a lot, a lot of really important financial information that's that's 
accurate, that's based on um, what the college and university has, college or university has been able to work with the student on or his or her family on. Um, yeah. But I will say we haven't had the conversation about including that. It was, we asked such a great question. I don't have it in front of me, but I'd be happy to share and compass um, it, which was something like, tell us about your financial circumstances and why this scholarship would be important to you and your family at this point. And it really seemed to provide us with a lot of anecdotal information that fleshed out the picture a lot more than those static numbers did. Um, so I would say uh, we haven't had the conversation, but I felt like I learned so much that I would love to encourage our team to use that more frequently, especially in this coming academic year. Absolutely. Yeah. So after this um, coffee talk ends, everyone, I'm going to hop into Compass and I'm going to create a question there um, under scholarship applications, specifically about financial need. How are you asking about financial need? How are you talking about it for um, selection so that we can kind of compile these really good questions that are helping people get to that space, uh, get like really understand about students and their financial need. So um, yeah, really excited to do that. I think that's going to be a great space, Erica. I'm, we'll be looking for you to drop that question in there so that we can all see it and any others that you might have. And uh, I hope everybody else will join in too and post what they're using to uh, look at financial need, particularly in this time. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, the, actually, I've, I've, I've been sitting here listening to the conversation, so I'm not sure I have a good question anymore. But you know, when, when you talk about the result of last year's changes, um, you know, this was our first year going online, so that was already a change. Absolutely. For us, and and we certainly, I think, would have had a hard time making it through this process without being online, online. really helped uh, you know moving everything to online but um, you know and we even moved the students acceptance form to online oh that's great to, to collect that that information but we had a harder time <laughs> getting it I, I think from them maybe just as hard I don't know yeah and, and I think some of that may have just been due to all of the circumstances going on around them. You know, students had a, an interesting time this last year for sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. And, and, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm seeing the same things the others have, have mentioned about. Um, I mean, so far we haven't had anybody contact us to say, you know, Hey, I'd like to transfer to another school or, or I mean, we had one early on. Mm -hmm. you know, from the time we made the decision to the time we announced it, who had decided to go from an out-of-state school to an in-state school. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and still very expensive. Fortunately, he got one of the, lar the, well, the largest scholarships that we have. Um, but, you know, I've got one of our local colleges where several of our students going that has decided to go virtual for the first semester. Mm-hmm. And, and I keep wondering, you know, should I contact them and ask them, you know, hey, you know, if you want to go community college, you know, virtual instead of, you know, although probably the cost isn't that much difference for them from the in-state school to the community college. 
Right. And that, I mean, that would be a really interesting thing to know um, just within your area. Is there a big difference in fees between your local and state uh, four-year university, uh, if you have one, uh, and your local community college? You know, is yeah. there a big tuition difference? And I think it's absolutely appropriate to um, to put that question out to students, just yeah. if they haven't thought about it yet. Um, you know, it's it's just a just a question. Um, you're not forcing them to do it. There's nothing wrong with starting that conversation. And I'd be really curious to know if anybody else is having um, kind of proactive conversations with students about those right. things yeah. rather and than that, waiting for them to reach out. At least a question that I asked in the in the chat. You know, had had others. You know, you know, shared information with the students about the possibility of de deferrals or. Um, Mm -hmm. or transfers to to other other schools and what that might might mean for for them uh you know we haven't been proactive as a matter of fact i mean we've already sent all but three of our checks out already right. yeah so yeah i think that's a great question does anybody have uh communication that they have sent out to students that outline some of those options that are available to them with their scholarship. And that is a great one for Compass because we can post entire documents in there. You know, you can pull a PDF of that uh, email that you send and post it right there for people to be able to see. So um, I will create that one in Compass also because I bet that we have some some good content here among these this group. Um, but if you are on the line and you do have an answer to that or or have done some of that, we'd love for you to raise your hand and hear from you. Thank you. Thank I'm you, done. Betty. Do we have another hand raised? Hi, I'm with Triangle Community Foundation in Durham, North Carolina. Um, and we had been working prior to COVID a lot um, about streamlining our application. We moved to the universal application in SLM this year, which worked great, um, and trying to make it as much as possible able to complete on any device. We know a lot of students do it on their phone or their teacher's iPad or mm -hmm. um, lab in school. And so we were trying to make it as, as trust-based and as virtual as possible, which served us really well this year when things, everything happened right around the time of our um, deadline. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, but what ended up happening that I'm really proud of and glad to talk more about and shout out to Erica um, from Thurgood Marshall for helping us with this, but we were able to very quickly um, launch a student assistance fund because we know a lot of our students are, as we've mentioned, coping with a ton of financial need they weren't planning for. We've heard a lot of students say, I had a lease on an apartment and I had to leave. Um, I want to get an apartment so I can live by myself and not live in a dorm. Um, you know, my family lost income, jobs. Um, so we launched the student assistance fund for our current scholarship recipients. So any student on a renewable scholarship or a student who received a one-time scholarship in 2019 um, to get up to $500 just a cash grant to them um, for needs related to um, technology, housing, food security, childcare, healthcare. Um, and we launched it with some discretionary funding of our own. Um, we had $10,000 we put towards it. Very quickly, we had a donor advised fund holder match it with $10,000, which is amazing. Um, That's right. So we had about a little over 200 students who were eligible. At present, we've awarded 41 students. We have declined a few applicants just based on um, they weren't very clear with what they needed. A couple of them were parents applying, you can always tell, and just were kind of, we had one student ask for like, oh, it'd be great to have extra snacks or things that weren't pressing, but we had some, we had one student tell us 
if I don't get this money, I'll be homeless, literally. So um, yeah. it's really great that we were able to offer that. And if there are folks thinking about doing that, I'm glad to talk about logistics and how it's worked. Um, it's worked pretty well so far. Um, and so I think, you know, having SLM, students are already used to it. They already have accounts in the system. Uh, we set up a very brief application and they already knew how to log in and to fill it out um, has been has been awesome. The struggle for us is really that we still process paper checks and manage who goes into the office when. We're trying not to have too many people in the office at once because we have cubicles. Um, we are moving to C-suite in two weeks, hooray. <laughs> and I think that will make things a little easier, but that's been the struggle of how do we get these checks out as quickly as possible when we're remote. Absolutely, yeah, it definitely is one of those hurdles that, you know, you probably didn't really think of as a hurdle until all of a sudden you can't be in the office together. That just now makes a lot of, a lot of difference. Um, one really interesting thing that you mentioned here that I, I had not, I haven't thought of it, um, is the concept of housing and students wanting additional funding so that they don't have to stay in the dorms. Um, that is really interesting because, you know, there's, there's so much talk about, like, how do you isolate when you're living with 200 other students in a dorm um, and you have really tight quarters and shared bathrooms and windows that don't open or whatever it might be in a dorm situation. So that is very, very interesting, um, particularly because if a school is going to virtual classes and they're allowing students or having students to live in the dorms, then where do students go to, to learn? You know, are they stuck in their dorm room? Are they outside? It, it has created so many just questions um, on how to keep our students safe while they're trying to focus on school. Um, so that was just really, really interesting. And if you are interested in setting up an emergency fund, now is a really wonderful time to do that as far as, as donor engagement and outreach because we're about to be um, shown uh, and it's it's already started, um, but in the news, really hearing a lot about um, about students going back to school and colleges. I mean, it's it's been a topic in, on most major news networks for a while now. But I think as students are actually going in, it's going to even leap up from there. So now's a great time to engage with donors on that emergency fund. Um, and I definitely would encourage you to, you know, look up um, homelessness for college students. There's lots of great studies and articles. Um, it's not nearly as uncommon as you might think. So uh, I think this is a, just such a great topic on so many fronts. Thank you, Sarah, for bringing that up, emergency funds. Um, anybody else have experience with emergency funds? I think that is, or, you know, interested in them. I will start a Compass uh, chat on that as well to be able to have space for that, but let's voice some questions and some answers and some experiences here. Hi again. Um, at least I just wanted to plug emergency funds too. Um, I, <laughs> Great. I, yeah, I work with Thurgood Marshall Fund. I also help folks at the National Scholarship Providers Association. So I've had experience with PMCF administering a scholarship, an emergency emergency fund this spring. Um, and by the way, Sarah, I'm so happy that um, you 
have you created one at Triangle and that it's been working well. Um, the reason I, I wanted to plug that is because um, for the National Scholarship Providers Association, I've had to do a lot of research about taxability of scholarships. And it's a, it, it, while it is obviously terrible that we are in a nationally declared disaster, um, this is a time period because of the disaster status when emergency assistance is not ta considered taxable income. So it's also particularly um, tax and advantageous right now to be uh, able to offer students emergency funding. This is especially because, um, as you may know, often for things that are outside of tuition and fees, that is considered a scholarship for something like housing or, or um, a laptop is considered uh, taxable, um, taxable income to the student. Uh, however, because we're in a federally declared disaster time, um, emergency assistance for those uh, needs are uh, not considered taxable income, uh, according to the IRS publication 3833. Um, so if anybody has any questions, I can po possibly answer a little bit. But that's another reason to think about it right now, because really great timing, especially if you want to support things like Sarah suggested with housing costs, which would typically be, um, you'd pay for them and they'd be, uh, students would have to pay taxes on that. That is fantastic information um, to know that we're in this untaxed window. I mean, that that um, is listed right now. That's absolutely fantastic to know. Um, I would guess we probably have more questions coming about emergency funds. So, uh, you know, Erica, don't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> we might call on you again. Um, I am curious to know, um, I'm going to bring up one more topic area in case this one applies to you. Um, how are you looking at this coming year with things being very up in the air, students not being at their school sites in many cases, not always, um, or not being there full time? Is that causing you to adjust? dates uh, and timing for your program? Is it causing you to adjust applications and materials that you're requiring from students? Uh, anything like that, what are the conversations that are happening at your foundations um, or maybe even at your local school districts around, um, around college for students? Uh, kind of thinking of our, our incoming high school seniors. Just one more question to throw out into that conversation. I, I love this conversation. It's so great. I'm from Legacy Foundation. We're a community foundation. And so we did, um, we had several students reach out to us regarding the housing situation. Yeah. And we're not able to necessarily do an emergency fund, but what we did do is we kind of co-opted our book reimbursement process that we have. Um, so we allow students to buy books and materials and then we reimburse them. So we came up with a program that allows them to live off campus and as long as they send us a copy of their lease and their monthly rent checks, we will reimburse them. Um, so because we did have students that were not able to get housing on campus or because of health issues wanted studio apartments. And so that's been um, an interesting process, but I think the students have been really excited about it. That is phenomenal, way to get creative. So I'm going to ask some questions just so I, I understand this a little bit better. So how sure. much are you reimbursing for students? Like what, 
we're uh, reimbursing the full amount up to um, their scholarship award. Some of our scholarship awards are pretty large, five or $10,000. Okay. Um, and our scholarships traditionally cover housing as long as it's paid through the university. Okay. Um, so really it was just us coming up with a plan to make it work for those students that weren't able to live on campus. When so, that cost isn't flowing through oh. the university. Exactly. Exactly. That's and right. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're looking, you know, we want to make sure that it's mindful. I mean, if someone's trying to get a $5,000 apartment, then, <laughs> you know, but so far the students have been, you know, really great. And, um, you know, we know that a lot of the times the apartments are on campus. And so, you know, we're kind of working towards relationship building and, you know, I call the, the leaseholder, um, the, property management company and talk to them. So, you know, it's kind of been a work in progress, um, but I think it's been, it's been beneficial. That is fantastic. I just think that's so creative and like way to roll up your sleeves and just dive into it and say, we don't really know what this is going to look like, but we're going to figure out how to make it work. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> I, I thought, okay, I have lots of students coming to me. How can I make this work? <laughs> uh, that's great. Being responsive like that is just, so, gosh, that's so impactful for students. Um, yeah, Jody, hats off to you. That's fantastic. Thanks. What are you looking at um, for for next year? Anything coming up next year? Changes in what you're planning or things you're discussing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I know you know traditionally this was just going to be a one time only, just for a COVID situation. But I think it's just brought to light in general. You know, I also uh, really love the idea of an emergency fund, so I jotted down all that information and I might be reaching out because I would like to do something bigger beyond just housing because, I mean, again, I've, I've had lots of people that want to buy laptops and traditionally we don't cover that. And so I really think it's great how everyone is being creative to kind of, you know, meet these students where they're at. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no two students are alike in what they need. And uh, it's a whole host of different reasons that they ask for things. And so I just love how adaptive uh, you're able to be. That's phenomenal. And I will make sure that I um, post that emergency fund uh, into our Compass community. So that's going to be the best place, Jody, for you to um, log in and, and be able to connect with people on that topic and share what, sure. share what you're learning. Um, Thank great. you. Thank you, Jody. That was, that was great. All right. So we talked about kind of renewable scholarships and, um, and changes that, that we're seeing to, or potential changes to the amount awarded, or if students are, are starting to stay home more than go away to school as they had planned, or we're seeing, seeing those school changes. We talked about learning a little bit about more about your own community if you're not as familiar with tuition prices for four-year universities versus community colleges, and the um, proactive communication that could go out from you as a scholarship provider to students, because remember, you're, you're part of the student support network now. You know, even if before you were just dollars out the door for scholarships, things are changing and you have an opportunity to have more impact um, than just the dollars right now. So talking about that proactive communication and then definitely got into those emergency funds and um, and that, hey, it's not taxable right now. Now is the time. If you're going to get into it, now is a great time to do it. 
uh, talks a little bit about timing and conversations with donors. This could be a, a campaign if it's something that your foundation feels uh, particularly strong about. Now, this is a, a very interesting campaign to put out to donors uh, right now. And then we also talked a little bit about financial need and how you are planning to assess financial need in the future with so much up in the air um, and kind of our normal uh, ways of assessing that not being quite so accurate right now and how does that change? So those are, gosh, I feel like we covered so much so fast. We're only 40 minutes in and these are all fantastic topics. Uh, so do we have any hands raised, people who want to ask more questions on any of those topics, pose something that they have learned or, or are thinking about for uh, any of those topics or a new topic altogether? I am not opposed to that. Anything related to this, uh, this change that we're seeing right now? Really good question in the chat from Carolyn. Um, are all providers viewing online distance learning the same as attending in person? Since every few college, oh. colleges in California are meeting in person, we view it as the same. That is very interesting. So does it matter to you as a scholarship provider if a student is doing an online class versus going in person? Do you care? Is that, uh, is that something you've talked to your donors about? I'm really curious to know what's happening in your donor conversations right now. Um, and of course, we never ask that you reveal your donors or name any names, but very curious to know if they are interested in this, if they see this as, um, as a point of interest right now. Hi, so yeah, as a community foundation, you can imagine we have a lot of relationships with donors. Um, and so actually at our June board meeting, we passed, um, a uh, temporary resolution basically to um, remove any GPA restrictions from the spring semester. So as long as students okay. took their general report, which goes to donors, it didn't matter what their GPA was, we would send their next payment. Um, we did get the board to agree that staff has discretion to extend that. So if the fall looks the same as the spring, we can keep, we can keep doing that. Um, and conversations with donors, they were really understanding. They were grateful. They said, absolutely, that makes sense. We've had no one say, um, anything about it. They were they were glad to still get the reports that students turn in, which is just a little form, um, an SLM, that updates the donor on how their life is, basically. But um, we said no GPA requirements. Um, and we, st we started the Student Assistance Fund, which is our discretionary money, so our scholarship donors did not contribute to that. We are open to them um, doing so personally, but as you know from a scholarship fund, you can't grant things. Um, right. So but our donors, we actually didn't have a childcare included initially, and we have one scholarship that's for teen parents, and the donor very quickly said, oh, um, these students are going to need help with that. And we said, oh, you're right. <laughs> so the donors great. really good feedback and, and helping us think about what this looked like. Um, one donor encouraged us to make sure students were seeking out opportunities on their campus because he's very actively involved in his alumni network, um, their emergency fund on campus, and we said, absolutely. So we added into the application um, you know, please email us if you can't find this out. We will do our best to navigate the system for you. We know it's super confusing. I've worked in higher ed, so I have a little better idea of where to look and who to talk to. Mm -hmm. um, so we added that in. We've able, been able to help a few students access money on their campus and then not need to apply to our fund. Um, mm -hmm. So overall, our donors were super understanding, very enthusiastic, helped us add things to the, to the application and the process we hadn't thought about. Um, 
and we're really understanding, um, you know, if something came up with students, we needed to hold the fund, we needed to, um, and we did have one situation where a student, it's one of those tied to a specific school, the student mm -hmm. decided to attend that school because of COVID, um, and we were left with $20,000 we couldn't spend, the fund is closing, we're not doing more scholarships, and they allowed us to use that discretionary funds that we have for scholarships, so. Oh, that's fantastic. That's it's great. It's been really great. Yeah. 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 What a great experience with your, your donors and just being open. And um, I, this is a time when, when donors are, they're looking for you to be the, the experts. They're looking for you to tell them what is, what is good in a lot of ways. But I absolutely love that. Um, what you mentioned about like leveraging resources at the colleges where you are, helping students navigate their college resources a little bit to be able to draw down on the available college funding rather than only looking to the foundation for those those resources. Um, any like tips, tricks for people who maybe are not from higher ed who might be, you know, starting on that journey a bit themselves and looking for resources at a college? recommend starting if the college has a foundation, starting there. I think it's very easy for um, foundation to foundation relationships. We actually started a scholarship providers collaborative. So a lot of these folks I know personally and can just shoot them an email, which has been really helpful. And I'm glad to talk about how we did that as well. We have 30 to 40 members at this point. That's right, all local? Uh, yes, yeah. So we serve four counties um, where we're located and the, it's providers that also serve those four counties. Um, that is fantastic. But just navigating. So if there's no if there's no foundation, start with a financial aid office um, and just help students figure out what office to go to has been super helpful. Sometimes with the community college system, often it is through the foundation that runs the scholarship programs. Um, and, the, and they've been really responsive and helpful and has sent have sent me like reams of information on well, where to send students and how to get them help. So that is great. Yeah, I love utilizing um, college foundations as a resource um, because you are um, the, the same way that that your donors get, you know, that extra attention from you at a community foundation. For those of you who are at community foundations, um, when you are interacting with a college foundation, you are a funder of scholarships. You are a donor. You are giving money to the university uh, or the college. So it's a great place to go for that additional information and um, just to make that connection if you, you're not quite sure where to start. Um, and I happen to work at a community college foundation for a while and I'll just say we're, community college foundation or college foundation folks are lovely people so um, don't hesitate to reach out. They want to help um, in general. So all right. Okay, any other hands raised? I think that was, a, that was a great point on kind of leveraging those resources and, and not having it all be out of the pocket of the foundation that you're at, because, uh, you know, your pockets are only so deep. Uh, but being able to leverage those resources to get more for students, it's fantastic. Um, I, this is actually just a question, and it was spurred by Elisa's comment uh, that I asked in the chat as well as we look into the coming year, are other providers thinking about changing their application and questions, especially about students' activities? You know, so in California, schools went to distance learning in mid-March. 
students weren't able to do the activities they normally do that are part of our application process. Um, are you going to specifically ask, you know, kind of an essay question about how students responded? How is this going to impact what your application looks like outside of GPAs? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Carolyn. And I, I would say, like, I'd love to see us kind of brainstorm, even if it's in the chat, and, and maybe we have Ashley uh, giving voice to some of these things. So we know the GPA is going to change. We're going to have to reconsider how we're looking at that. Um, just as you said now, Carolyn, the, the extracurriculars are going to look a bit funny compared to what they have been in the future. So if you have scholarships that are, are um, extracurricular oriented, they really look at that and take that into consideration. How will that need to change? Um, and maybe it's not a change on the application. Maybe it's a change for evaluator instructions. I don't know, just throwing it out there. And um, so what else? What else are we seeing that's going to change? We talked about financial need questions. Uh, questions around that financial need might need to adjust and change. And probably the way we score those, if we're scoring, uh, we'll need to adapt. What else? Does anybody have a really great um, essay topic that they've come up with to spur students to talk about their experience with the pandemic. I feel like that would be a missed opportunity to not uh, hear about what students did and how, you know, try to identify that resilience in the student based on how they handled this particular crisis that affected so many. Hi, it's Michelle. I'm from the Chautauqua Region Community Foundation in Western New York. Um, <clears throat> regarding the personal we're doing a personal statement because we knew the kids probably wouldn't have a ton of volunteer hours. And I'm going to direct my committee members to really probably weigh that heavier than they would weigh the extracurriculars, the academics, and everything because it's so different this year. And we're in a unique situation where we pay expenses for the spring semester. So okay. I'm just getting started now. I mean, our deadline was July 15th, so I'm, I'm just revving up. But I did host several webinars, and I encouraged my students. I said, really put in that personal statement. Tell them a story. That's what the committee members like to hear. And you mentioned about the COVID thing. I kind of discouraged the kids from doing that because okay. committee members read hundreds of applications, and if they see the same thing over and over again, they kind of just – just kind Start of to tune out a little bit. You push it aside. So it's more like, you know, just the personal, what makes you different? How are you dealing with, I got some great essays this year. I, I read every one of them and they're fantastic. Oh, that's great. I would love to hear more about, because uh, it sounds like you talk with them a bit about kind of how to write that essay and, and what you want to hear. Um, what other guidance do you give them around that essay? Um, like I said, I had the, a webinar, a couple of them. I had office hours, Zoom hours. Um, that didn't go as well, but the webinar was well attended. Um, I also have very good contact with our guidance counselors in the schools. Um, I don't know, I don't have my tip sheet in front of me, but I gave them a bunch of tips and I gave them examples like, why did you choose your major? Is it because your grandmother has, you know, Alzheimer's, so you want to do something with that? Um, did you get hurt? So you want to be a physical therapist? Um, mm, did you yeah. have in your family life that you want to be a social worker? Just, just general stuff like that. 
Absolutely, yeah. Tying their goals to the future with the personal experience of the past can be so powerful in a student essay. So that's phenomenal. I love that um, that you're really coaching through that a little bit more. We, I always say that um, you know when students write an essay, it's much more creative writing than it is. Uh, a report essay, which is what they have spent most of their time doing in high school, is, you know, here's source information, now write me an essay on it. And this is, uh, the source information is your life. So that's a bit unusual for a lot of these students. Great guidance. Um, out of curiosity, do you, would, did you record your webinar? And is that something that you would be interested in sharing with the folks on the Compass community? I'm sure a lot of people would be curious oh. to oh, see you. <laughs> what was that? I said they might get bored watching it. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> they might watch it on, on uh, one and a half times speed, right? Just kind of buzz through it a little quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I will post um, you know, a space for those types of things in, in the community and uh, hope that you... Uh, and regarding the online and going to school, I mean, we understand it's going to be a crazy year this year, and we've just kind of always, it doesn't matter, we've always done online students, so it's not, but their need probably isn't going to be as great as someone who's going to four-year school, but I think our committee members are aware of that. And we're also trying to push through a non-traditional student scholarship. We have the money set aside. And that's where like, the mom is going back to school to be a nurse. And oh, yeah. we're trying to get that out there. Um, that's something we've been working on. And this year is going to be the year it's going to happen. So, because, you know, even truck drivers, I know we have a truck driver shortage. We've worked with some organizations that do that. Haven't had much success, but... We're getting it. We're going to get it out there, and we're going to make it work. So I'm excited about that happening. And that's really exciting. I think there's a lot of opportunity for retraining for people who have been in one industry, and with where we're at right now, it's just not viable for jobs at the moment, and they might be looking at retraining and, and exploring new opportunities. So I love that that's opening up, and I feel like that is a whole nother coffee talk conversation right there. And there are not our non-traditional scholarships and what's going on with those. Um, yeah, definitely. It's not a coffee talk, definitely a, a compass post because I think there, there's probably a lot we can learn from each other in that area. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I just want to thank everyone for attending today. This has been such a great conversation. Uh, I encourage you to pick it up with us in Compass and uh, keep it going, keep sharing those resources and coming back with questions for one another. Uh, I say to my colleagues here at Fountain all the time, our scholarship providers and scholarship administrators are just a really special group. And you all um, connect with one another and are there to support one another and help each other more than any other group I've ever seen. So kudos to you. Thank you all so much for participating today. And um, yeah, I hope we all, I know I learned a lot today and I hope you learned some things too. So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 